0: G'day and welcome to the Two Dogs podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier, a red, white and blue man through and through and a life member of the club, I'm very, very proud to say. Now, today on this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to uh, two of the stars from the uh, sort of late part of the 90s and... uh, they were great to characters around the club and still are. In fact, uh, Ilya Grigik and Paul Dimitina. They'll go through statistically what they did when we uh, when we speak to the two boys. But uh, Ilya, of course, was there uh, in the mid part of the 90s and played 62 games. Dimmer played 131 games and kicked 56 goals and had a terrific career in the midfield. Ilya, of course, went on to uh, go to the Eagles when his time with the Doggies had finished and then had a very short stint at the Bombers as well. So two uh, terrific characters, uh, two really good blokes too, and you'll uh, meet them in just a tick. But a reminder about uh, our Past Players and Officials uh, Association sponsors, and they do a great job not only in the Victory Room at Marvel Stadium for our home games each week, but of course supporting the podcast as well. So thanks to Dave Boxall from uh, Midway Concrete and Gardening and Building Supplies, who's been a great supporter, Justin Whitford from PFG Australia, Dave Marsh from Flash Fabrications and Noel Pearce from the Australian Luggage Company. They are great supporters of the past players and officials and we really appreciate what they've done uh, this year uh, and in the past and uh, hopefully what they'll do in the future. But let's get to the past. Let's talk about the good old days with Ilya and Dimmer. First question is uh, is how are you both? How I mean, let's start with you, Demi, because you've had some celebrated uh, uh, brushes with with health crisis over recent years. You're all right. I'm all right
1: now. Yeah, looking after myself as best I can. I've, I have an autoimmune problem called myosinia gravis, so it's. Um
0: now now I'm, I'm glad you pronounced the uh, the condition you have because I had no chance of getting anywhere near it. I wouldn't have thought so. It, yeah,
1: my, it, myosinia gravis. So it basically, causes rapid muscle fatigue. So. A few years ago, um just some weird things started happening. I was eating breakfast one morning and I couldn't chew, and the food was falling out of my mouth. Oh, that's a bit weird, and then I started having trouble with my speech. I was slurring my words. and I remember clearly one night Bevo and all the boys were in having dinner at Lamaros they were having a team dinner there, and I was talking to Bevo, and I think he genuinely thought I was off my chops because I was slurring my words and then my eyes started closing over, so I couldn't keep my eyes open at times, and uh, all sorts of weird things. It was bizarre. So basically, my symptoms were that, uh, and then I end up with horrific double vision, so I couldn't see. I couldn't drive a car, um, and eventually, I went and saw Jake Landsberger, who pretty much diagnosed, he said, I think you've got myosthenia gravis, sent me off to a neurologist who confirmed that I did indeed have myosthenia gravis, so. Um, everyone experiences it who has got it has it in a different way mine was mainly all my facial features and everything that were giving way I couldn't see I, I've met a few other people since who've had it that they, they couldn't walk or they, they they'd lost use of their arms etc so but I'm back on top of it and pretty much unfortunately on a lot of medication but um, I am on top of that and then because I am autoimmune compromised obviously when I got COVID it knocked the absolute Crapper out of me. Um, So I spent ten days in hospital, six of them in ICU, and there's probably one or one or two days there a little, you know, pretty much touch and go whether I was going to make it through. But I've come out the other side. So uh, I'm in one piece
0: again. Thank God for that, Ilya. What about yourself? Because you had uh, you know a lot of back problems and that over the years. How how has that manifested Uh, itself into life these days?
2: uh so body wise, that's all reasonably good. Um, A few surgeries along the way, but um, structurally all right. Retour my hamstring last August playing footy down at Orbost in a training session for some ungodly reason. Don't ask why. Don't. That, that's not even, <laughs> It doesn't even warrant a response as to why. But that's um. That, that's nothing bad in a sense. It just slowed me down on the cricket field. But um, similar probably with other guys out there. And I do get a bit of a plug. This um, I had prostate cancer a few years ago. So, yeah, I got one of the early detections. So I've had a couple of chats with um DJ Junior, and that, and talking about how. Bring awareness. So I got diagnosed at 47. And I know a lot of people go through a number of different things, and there's probably a number of people that will probably hear this podcast and have got their own challenges they've had, but it's more about awareness. And so just through blood tests and then biopsies, and then basically found it out and was isolated with the prostate, but um was able to get a, a prostatectomy done through some robotic stuff, through again, through our great mate Jake, who's. um. Been there since I was 18 or 19 when I first went to the club. I think it was 17 when I first met him. So, what's that? 33 years ago. Uh, we got to a urologist and went through the whole process. And it was that? I think August 20 or July 2019. Took out the prostate and been great since. So, oh, um, great advocate for the programs. Yeah, good. A lot of people putting out the early detection. So, but outside of that, family's great and body's reasonably as good as it's going to remain for a while, I think. Yeah. Now, you're in the
0: oil industry when you're in your playing days, so working, I think, at ICI, and then, then you went to Shell, is that right?
2: Started with ICI, um, engineering background, chemical engineer, then went into uh, ExxonMobil for a bit via a consulting or contracting firm with Worley, and then went to Shell for 15 years and then finished with them in 2018. Now, been doing some consulting work still in the oil and gas and across Australia and a bit over New Zealand and in thailand um but also now got a building company um and a property development company that i'm heavily involved with uh, uh-huh. well with a number of other guys and based here in north melbourne which is good fun and doing well obviously well it's a challenge i won't be a sooking builder but it's not easy <laughs> <laughs> like any business i don't think and i've talked to paul a number of times about how challenging hospitality is and how hard it is and particularly through the COVID times um it's just nothing's easy at the moment i don't think wherever you go and you just, could accept that and it's more a case of waking up every morning not surprised by the challenge you're going to have but just understanding you're going to have a challenge you just got to work through it.
0: COVID knocked the hospitality industry and the restaurant business uh, on its ass Uh, let's be honest it was was a battle there where where do you sit these days what do you own these days so you still got the Southport one going with your brother and stuff?
1: Obviously, we got smashed in hospitality, but the Gold Coast we sold those businesses would have been 18 months ago. Now we had two fabulous restaurants up there, side by side. We, you know, fielded a lot of offers for our business. We weren't on the market, but just probably a perfect time just to downsize a little bit of everything. And um, my brother Andrew still lives on the Gold Coast. He owns and operates a little restaurant now called Mateos, which is in Clear Island Waters, and um, and it is fabulous. He's done a great job there. And myself, I've just got Lamaro's Hotel in South Melbourne, just a lovely little. Little gastro pub, and it's nice just to only have the one one venture, so I don't have all the problems at one stage. I think we would have had probably ten different restaurants, you know, well over five hundred staff, and you know the whole the whole business landscape, especially in hospitality, has changed. You know, the the amount of wage increases there's been. Now you've got superannuation increasing, gas, electricity. Unfortunately, I think consumers are going to find that going out and dining out it's just it's going to be an incredibly experience expensive experience and um you know i'm pretty lucky where we are at lamar is we have a fabulous client base and high net wealth individuals with uh, like Ilya, who um you know can <laughs> afford to go out so i think hopefully i'm hoping that you know the business i got can be bulletproof because I, I don't really um as i said i've got a great client base that i don't think will be financially impacted like other people will be
0: yeah. Let's, um, let's talk some footy. Go back to when you both uh, came to the club because was a very different uh, scenarios for the pair of you. Where Who found you at the Melbourne High School Old Boys, Leo? I mean, not that you would have been hard to find at 200-plus centimetres, <laughs> but who who discovered you? Was it Chuka Merrington?
2: Uh, so I went to the club. So it's a funny story because when I was playing Melbourne High, they, the under-17s played in the Waverley Junior Football League uh, and we played against some VFA sides, but it was basically Richmond and Melbourne's stomping ground for recruiters and with Melbourne High there was a couple of you know uh, Matty Knights and a few others those types of folks Johnny Hearn from Melbourne and so they were at school and had links into the Richmonds and Melbournes but I was zoned so back in the under 19s days so my football coach there a great man by the name of Warren Fall is still involved with the club MHC Old Boys um, he and I decided, devised basically it was a strategy to get known by Footscray which was I needed football boots at the time, which was a problem. I was, I think, in those days, 13 or 14 at, what was I, year 11 or year 12, and basically said, why don't you just walk into the Footscray Footy Club office? And so I walked up up, got off the train at West Footscray because I was still living down at Angler Street in Yarraville, um, got off the train, walked up to the office, and I said, can I talk to someone about some footy boots? And I think, forgotten whether it was Betty at the front office or who it was, but they said, they went and got Gary Gio and Gary Sullivan and Chooka Merrington and said, you might want to see this guy. So I was in my, <laughs> in my blazer, in my tie and walking around in school uniform. I said, oh, look, I'm just interested. Will you be able to help me get some footy bits? And then it sort of rolled on for them and they came watch a couple of games. We played some all-high finals uh, in those days. Um, so the old, sun, the old Sun Shield type stuff. So Melvin and I had a good side. Um, Remember playing against um, Shane Crawford. So we played against Assumption in the semi-finals right. in eighty. I think what was that eighty nine? Um, they won, but um, it was and sort of got noticed then. Then played in an under 17s game with uh, it was Rowan Smith. I remember Rowan there because he lived on the opposite end of um, Angler Street. I lived at number two, and he lived at like well, there was seventy or something on the same street. And we played some cricket together, but um, never footy or anything like that. And I'd I'd always played organised soccer up until I was 15 or 16, and then displayed school footy, and then it sort of grew from there.
0: Wow. And uh, the, so the footy boots you're talking about were size 14s, I'm, I'm gathering. Uh, they yeah, were- they,
2: back in those days, they were small. They were small compared to now. I'm a size 16 now. I don't know what's happened. The foot kept growing. I kept growing, I think, until I was 19, 20 at least. I didn't really stop. I've stopped now, apart from going out wide ways.
0: And, and knowing, and we're all doing that, and knowing uh, how Geo and, and, and then worked, was were you introduced to the well known boot supplier to everyone at Footscray in those days, who was the great EJ Witten and Adidas, obviously.
2: Yeah, so I went, so basically they introduced me and said, look, this is a place to go to. So I went out to Clayton. I don't, I can't remember. I think on public transfer, we got out to Clayton, I spoke to EJ and goes, hey, son, just go over there, pick what you need. I go, okay, whatever. So I remember getting the old, um, Except the Mundials and the the World Cups. The old Adelaide screwings are beautiful boots, nice kangaroo hide, and um, yeah, he just said, yeah, yeah, and grab some tops, you'll be right, and, and then off I went. Yeah. And I saw him, saw him a couple of times because then and That would put in, him, uh, invited to the eighty nine, um, mm. eight games at the back end of eighty nine before I started in under nineteens um, in the pre-season, in nineteen ninety pre-season.
0: Yeah, Dimmer. In your case though, it was a, it was a much 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 harder. Get and then through a few other clubs to get to to where you finished up playing senior footy at the doggies.
1: Yeah, I started originally at Richmond as under nineteens, and then a father son draftee. John Northey then sacked me. I probably didn't endear myself to John. I got at the end of my year twelve year, so I played nineteen ninety two, which I was in year twelve at Marsland College. I played the whole year in the Richmond reserves as well as first eighteen at school footy and. I think I finished maybe fifth in the Richmond best and first I had a pretty good year. But at the end of the year, like all school leavers, I wanted to go to school this week. And I also then got picked in the Victorian under-19 cricket side. So I said, uh, I'm going to play cricket. And John Northey had just taken over from Alan Jeans coaching Richmond and basically took Umbridge and said, you're a contracted footballer. And I said, well, I haven't decided if I'm a footballer or a cricketer yet because at that stage, um, probably talking myself up a little bit, I was – I was definitely a better cricketer than I ever was a footballer, but I thought um, – and I hadn't decided which, which line I wanted to go down yet, play footy or play cricket. Anyway, uh, cut a long story short, then John Northey made me quit cricket and forced me to, and I still went – they gave me leave. I had five days on the Gold Coast for schoolies. And when I got back, <laughs> I could just oh, – this prick hates my guts. he He just didn't like me, so I then got sacked in the march of – 1993 which, which you know broke my heart at the time because I was a tragic mad Richmond supporter and I'm not going to lie I can't stand the Richmond footy club now I do delight watching them lose especially like <laughs> they did last <laughs> Saturday night against the Gold Coast Suns that was just fabulous what a script that was um I don't know I've got to get rid of that chip on my shoulder at some stage but it's uh something you know what I'm a bulldog through and through now so 1993 I spent I played at Sandringham in the VFA and after I had a really good start to the year but then after about the third or fourth time I woke up in the club rooms knocked out. I, as I said, I was only an 18-year-old and I had a pretty good start to the VFAE and I got the absolute shit knocked out of me a few times. I thought, this ain't for me. Um, so I quit footy that year and went on a road trip with a few mates and happened to uh, when I got back from six months away, I had a there was an invite from Essendon to do the preseason going into the 1994 season. So I did preseason, made the Essen rookie list at the time and So I spent the 1994 season at Essendon um, and had a fabulous year there and made a lot of great friends. And then in March 1995, I played every Essendon senior practice match going into the 1995 season, and I turned up to train at Essendon one Wednesday, and they said that they were going to draft me at pick number 26 or whatever it was in that mid-season draft. And I turned up to training, and they said, you're no longer a bomber. The, The Bulldogs picked up at pick 25, the pick before. We picked up Jose in that same mid-season draft, or the March draft as it used to be, and with our first pick and they, the Bulldogs, Mark Kleinman, picked me up with the second. I did have to ask, it was Noel Judkins and Kevin Sheedy. I'm like, Footscray, I thought of Footscray, honestly, uh, I'm from the east, always born and bred, at, you know, around Baldwin. I thought Footscray was halfway to Geelong. And they go, Dimmer. we know you love the races. We know you love the horses. The footy, Footscray Footy Club is just at the back of the Flemington racetrack. And they said it's literally only maybe eight minutes from Essendon. Went, okay. <laughs> so they gave me the directions how to get to Footscray and I I drove my little bazarina, as I called it, my little barina from uh, Essendon to Footscray and there it was. That was in March 1995.
0: Oh, and you played that year? Uh, late in the year you made your debut, round yep. 18, against... Against Carlton.
1: Um, yep, yeah, yeah, played two senior games that year. My first one I had to uh, tag the great Anthony Cuda and uh, pretty proud to say I, I, I towed him up that day only to three quarter time Cuda had had eight possessions and then at the start of the last quarter I went back to the wing and Cuda wasn't there David Parkin had moved him to full forward and um, that was the year Carlton barely lost the game and won the flag in 95 and at three quarter time we were pretty much dead level with them um, and they overran us in the last quarter and Cooter yeah, got moved to full forward, and poor old Steve Credio had to pick him up then. And the Cuda kicked three goals in the last quarter.
2: Bloody crusher, so, let us down again.
1: <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: you played in you played in Dimmer's first game, Ilia. Uh, I think he kicked a couple of goals.
2: To be honest, my memory. is you kicked shot. you kicked three quality goals too. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: and I inherited. I inherited 28, yeah. number
1: twenty-eight. Guernsey. I wore number twenty-eight. And I think Ilia had it before me, didn't you? Before you went yeah, to yeah. Number, number one. Yeah. Yes.
2: That wow. lasted long. That was a good move by the big fella. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who'd you inherit the number one off? Had Charles, he had it before you?
2: Yeah, just before he um, went to Richmond. Oh, okay. It was a case of, um, I don't know when it was. I think at the same time, so Granny and I were sitting next to each other. Well, so I had Super, myself, and then Granny in the little corner in the change rooms. And then some pre-season, I don't know if it was Ray Green or Wheels, might have said, okay. What about you? And what was Steve Collin? 22? 21, 21, 21, yeah. Yeah, 21. He went to so two, go, didn't he? Yeah, so I went to one, um, Billy went to two, and Granny went to three in the same year. So I, I'm just right on the coattails of Granny, the, the big announcement, <laughs> the, the number three, and then I go, yeah, well, well I'll flip into number one while, I'm, while I can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> your first game was uh, back in 93 and uh, celebrated, of course, because your first two kicks were both goals.
2: They were indeed, and they were absolute gems. I do, remember, I do remember the first one, not the second one. The first one was a, a, a set shot banana on the boundary line at, on the point post, and it was, it was just gold. And I was the most excited kid running around, a lanky, un, un-muscly, just person who could catch and kick. It was great. Who did boo again still? Melbourne at Princess Park. And yeah. oh, well, Phil Gilbert was on me. I remember that. And he was just he was just pissed off. He just, what am I doing on this dopey big tile <laughs> big guy? And then there, and then he went to freeo.
0: <laughs> so now, wasn't there a bit of a subterfuge going on with with your yeah, debut so, game? So, what
2: so, was that all about? I, look, I don't know why. And so instead of like right now, it, you know, any debutant, you know, it's an announcement. There's a ticker tape parade and all sorts of stuff going on <laughs> now. It's like,
1: yeah. fuck out.
2: Um, but no, my day was on, um, well, Thursday, the night before the game. So that was a Saturday game. I don't actually know. But assuming it was a Saturday game, Thursday night training, basically I came off the track injured. Um, was, we all said, no, you're coming off the track. We don't want anyone to know you're playing. I go, I'm just sitting there, kid. That's, you know, what I, 21, just, just turned 21. He goes, yeah, no, you're coming off. You've done your hammy. I mean, so I was announced as doing my hammy. So then how I got into the list later was, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know on the playing list, but yeah. So it's not as if they can't figure it out pretty much straight away when you're doing the warm-up. Who's that big dokey bastard <laughs> Scotty Wine?
0: You, you can't hide a 203-centimetre bloke <laughs> in, a, in a bunch of 20-odd blokes. You, it's very hard to hide one.
2: It is indeed. So, look, I, I haven't actually caught up with wheels to ask why, and look, he's probably why we did that, but it was just what it was done. And, you know, as a youngster, you just follow whatever the coach says and believe in what they ask.
0: Was it, I mean, you talk about now it's a ticker tape parade and they do videos and, you know, 150 people get invited. Was, was there a, a little kind of contingent of supporters there for you on the day?
2: Yeah, no, there was. So, mum came down and, oh, well, come down. It was a, not a big dried up, but being the um, sole parent, she'd been a widower for quite a while since yeah. the early 80s. Um, she came down, had a look and was trying to understand the game. And to her passing last year, it still kept on following the Bulldogs and following the game um don't know how much she actually still understood but we never went into detail it. she still loved the game after that um always was worried i was always hurt but that yeah. was about the big, well, they, biggest well they, they
0: had to talk her into it didn't they because she was worried
2: school. yeah so at school when i got into the game um in year 11. so i was playing cricket so i was like demo cricket was a passion after soccer and then the cricket coach one four was a school footy coach and he said no nah. and we we're having a kick at like, i think it was after cricket training or before cricket training and Look, I could catch and I could mark, and I could kick. So he goes, oh, you got to play for the school side. And I was clearly tall too. And so after a few training runs, he said, oh, there's some potential. And I said, well, we've got a problem. Mum, mum's not going to let me play. And so the vice principal then was Colin Green, who's now you know um, retired, but heavily involved with the old boys. There um, said, well, don't worry, I'll just write a letter. It says the school has to um needs leader to play footy for the school. And so basically, I handed that to mum and said. I have to translate, so I don't even know why I wrote the letter. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so basically we said Natalie has to play footy for the school. Oh, God. It's funny times what you do, and I'm sure Paul's got other stories with about some weird-ass stuff we've done, but it's um, fascinating. Paul went through a, a, you know, it's quite a regime to get to the game. I, I, I know myself, I'd struggle to figure out whether or not I'd be able to get into the system nowadays because I just didn't play footy when I was younger.
0: Yeah, now it's that whole pathway thing, isn't it? They identify you very young. But yeah, you know, well, well, I mean, you said you were still in your school blazer when when the doggies first saw you, and you were what sixteen when you went to to Richmond the first time, Do
1: you remember Yeah, I got drafted at the end of year eleven, so yeah. I was sixteen. Age. Yep. So yep. Just you know, way too young. Way too young, especially. I mean, I have no doubt that you know back then there was no training regime for a wonder. You know, first to third year player. Um, then they'd have a you know third to five year player. Whatever the way the way they train now is just obviously the professionalism and also the um, the science behind it all. But back then I was having to do all the training that Craig Lambert, Tony Free, um, who else was in the midfield of Richmond, Dale Waitman, Matthew Knights. You know, so I'm competing against those sort of blokes, and you just I got you got flogged. You know, my first night, um, or not went the first night when. Um, What's his name? John Northy took over. We had to do the hundred hundreds, like year 12. My body wasn't ready to do that sort of stuff. Um, one of my favourite stories though, at Richmond when Alan Jeans was coaching and I'd, and I'd just been drafted and after the first training session, he'd come over and my father was super quick and very fleet of foot and, and Yabby Jeans, his first thing he said is, oh, you didn't get your father's legs speed. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: yeah, it was a pretty um, tough initiation at Richmond, just the, the brutality of having to to train and compete against as a sixteen year old against you know seasoned twenty twenty one twenty two year old blokes that were running around at the time.
0: Yeah. Did um did Scotty take you under his wing or what was the relationship between you and Scotty wind at at uh, in your early days? Ilya?
2: He was a great uh, great mentor and worked and big um Gary Dempsey was there too, so that was always a a learning experience, having an evening with um Gary, um, <laughs> but look, Scotty, and to this day we catch up, and it's it's interesting. Um, he look, he was the number one man, and it was always a fascinating time when um Dimitri was talking about being a Richmond. I, I had a meeting with um John Northy about coming across to Richmond early on after it must have been after '93 or in '94, and I basically I kept on thinking nah, Scotty's going to his knees are going to give in one day. Yeah, right, uh, 2022, his knees to feel good, the bastard. Um, but no, look, we had a great relationship. Um, there was a solid competitiveness. He knew um, where his spot was, and clearly brambo medalist and a legend of the game. Um, but it was always the the underling type role. And then when Dars came along, um, certainly Terry Wallace had a different perspective, and that's you know, that's how it is. That's yep. how things go. Yeah. It's a, it's a cutthroat business, but I've certainly um, certainly enjoyed my times when I went over to West Coast too.
0: Yeah, West Coast and then the Bombers after that for a very, very short period of time. Hey, Dimmer, you mentioned that that uh, Jose was drafted at the same time as you were. So you and Jose and Libba, when did when did that start and how did that start?
1: I reckon it started. Well, me and Jose really probably clicked at the end of the 1996 season. Uh, basically, we decided to do our own pre-season together even though we were doing pre-season training we were then every day or every other day having another run or another weight session or doing whatever we could so we go to the tan the Albert Park Lake or various running tracks around Melbourne just to uh, we wanted to get fitter than anyone else at not only our club but in the AFL at the time so uh, so Jose and I probably forged our uh, you know our friendship on the training track more, more so probably away from the footy club and then I think basically that in the 1997 season when we sort of started, you know, 1996 was horrible when we started winning some games and basically Libba, Jose and myself every week were designated three of the opposition's best midfielders to tag and then that sort of allowed Brad Johnson and Nathan Brown and um, Scotty West to, to be the, you know, free running midfielders and we'd try to lock down the opposition's best players. I probably got a little bit more freedom than Jose and Liber at times to play off my man a little bit, I not having to play on a man if I could. Like all of modern football now, there's no such thing as an opponent anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, we forged our friendship that way just by, I suppose, being brutal towards our, um, the opposition. We really looked after each other, the three of us. If Libba was tagging someone and, you know, we'd all try to help each other out with our, our, our direct opponents to uh, make sure that none of them got, got out of the loop or would, you know, win the match for the opposition. So uh, yeah, the Wog Squad. I don't know who where that was born from. If we, we just named ourselves the Wog Squad, if it was a media thing, I can't remember. But you know we were pretty uh, pretty proud and passionate footballers, and you know we, we 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 still got a great bond to this day.
0: Yeah. Now you left at the end of '96, so you went to West Coast and watched these blokes forge the uh, the now infamous Wog Squad. What what was your sort of uh, viewpoint of that from from the other side of the continent?
2: No, um, I think the certainly a nigh opening experience was the first return bout against um at West Coast when we played Bulldogs at the Wacker. and it was, look, it was synonymous with I wouldn't say it wasn't brutality, but just the ferocity that the dogs came out with so as an opposition player. I, I probably wasn't prepared for that mentally, um so certainly learned a lot, which which is all part and parcel, it was part and parcel of the game back then it's quite interesting now when you see a lot of the guys now and they're just talking and laughing straight after a game i just there was none of that straight after our games even though we were best mates and we're you know in each other's wedding parties and all that it was we wanted to kill each other so to speak Um, it was certainly something to behold and Held them in good stead, but just couldn't get the dogs over the line in '97. Yeah. I can't say I can't say I was wanting them to win every game either. But um, that was I've turned the corner. '97, <laughs> good
0: memories or bad memories for you, Dimmer? Because you, you you missed in the end, didn't you?
1: Yeah. Well, I got suspended. The the AFL, you know, I got suspended for two weeks for something that was so trivial. And Danny Southern got suspended for two weeks for wrestling. Still, the f- only person in the history of the game to be suspended for wrestling. I've got, you know what I'm not gonna lie, I still have nights where I wake up and you know in cold sweats nearly about the ninety seven prelim because Terry Wallace pulled myself and Danny Southern in the night before the, the prelim and just sort of said, Can you we had been, you know, we'd done a pretty hard block of training whilst uh, we were out suspended and he said, please, you know, this weekend just you've done enough work. Don't do much because, you know, we want you fresh for the grand final. You'll both definitely be playing next week, should we win. Tomorrow, So that was, uh, you know, I remember sitting there at three-quarter time when we I don't know, what were we, 30-odd points up and I thought we were going to be playing in a grand final next week and I probably still believe that halfway through the last quarter until Dee Jarman and Andrew McLeod decided yeah. to tear us heads. It was, um, yeah, and it was just, it was definitely a heartbreaking moment when that, si- that final siren went, I suppose, not just for the players that were out there, but for myself and Sotheby's who were thinking we were going to be playing in a grand final the week later. As I said, it's still one of those real... Things that I just probably never let go of. properly. I wish I did. You know, we were so so close that year, and I have no doubt that you know we would have beaten St Kilda a week later. But anyway, not to be. And then 1998, we backed up with a fabulous year. We just we just choked again. Come preliminary final day, that one. And then 1999, I thought we were even better yet again. We had our best by the improvement away result the footy clubs ever had in 1999. And then we just we lost our first final against West Coast where. It was literally the windiest day I reckon Melbourne's had in 100 years, and we didn't handle the wind well that night. And Scotty Cummings, who I'm still a great mate with the, to this day, we, we we forged a good friendship when I was at Essendon. Scotty Cummings, I think, kicked five or six goals that night at the MCG in the windiest conditions ever. We couldn't nail a goal, and he, he couldn't miss. And um, I think we lost by two or three points. And then we had to go to Brisbane a week later, and we were just – we were shot mentally, physically, emotionally shot that night, and I think we just got belted so we went out in straight sets in 1999 when, you know, I thought that was probably – we had as good a playing list as we ever had that year and um, just couldn't, couldn't do it.
0: Yeah. Yes, if only. Um, when the end comes, Ilya, were you – I mean, was your body shot? Did you, did you know? Was there just nothing else to give and the time had come when you were at the Bombers and said, okay, no, I just – I can't keep doing this?
2: Yeah, it, it, to a certain degree, yeah. So I'd um, played in the 99 season and – had one of those sliding door moments where I got suspended in a preseason game and for a, a week for tripping with my thigh, which I don't know, still know how I can get. So I'm like, yeah, good, good trick. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was <laughs> bloody good in a reserves game at, at, at the Witten Oval, and it was just great. Um, a bit, and I was about to get into the senior side because there was a few injuries. So I would, I was humming to be in the Essendon senior side through that whole period when 29, oh, yeah. were going to? And it was one of those where I couldn't break in, but I won a flag in the two, so. And with Paul's brother Andrew, so it was good fun. Yeah. Um, so and a lot of guys and a lot of good mates who were created there and enjoyed the season. Uh, then the pre season started and we started getting into a bit more serious professionalism, um, you know, starting training at lunch times and those sorts of things. And then just one of the pre season sessions just hurt my back again, so I was up for a third operation, um, uh, basically a fusion. Uh, I was 20, what was it, 27 28 at that time, and just basically. said, Look, I've got a career outside of footy. Um, I don't want to fuse my back, and I don't think I could handle the rehab and the journey. I've done it twice already and thought, no, I've, got, I've gotten as much as I was willing to give um, in terms of the body and what I was prepared to sacrifice. Um, so, look, I've had a good enough time. It's been a great ride. Um, go on to the next phase of my life.
0: Yeah. What about you, Dimmer? Were you, were you feel like you still had footy left in you when, you, when they pulled the pin on you?
1: Yeah, I was pretty shitty and shattered when I got sacked. Um, no one ever likes being sacked, and I didn't think it was handled in a really good way by the club at the time. Um, I mean, the disappointing thing was if, you know, because I, I did get a phone call only, a, you know, a few weeks after I got, um, or not even a day or two after I got sacked, and it was Mick Mulhouse. Carlton had just drafted Daniel Harford, and he said, I wouldn't have drafted Harford. I'd take you any day of the week ahead of Daniel Harford if I had not known you were going to be available. Oh, I thought I had another year or two left in me, obviously... Bondi and Peter Rowe didn't at the time, so took the opportunity. I moved to the to the Gold Coast where my brother and I and my father bought the restaurants we had up there, and then I had two two fabulous years playing football with Southport. Pretty special playing in a grand final, winning a flag with my brother, and also it was nice to finish off with a premiership in uh, in my last sort of official game of
0: professional footy. High point for you of your days at the Novel, Ilya. What what do you look back on most fondly?
2: Look, ninety four was a, a really Good year for me in terms of um, Scotty was injured a fair bit and so took on a fair bit of mantle there in terms of taking on senior, or number one rock roll, and particularly around guys like Simon Atkins and those types of guys. Um, the general was great to you know just to listen to and talk to, and the way he went about his business, um, the thought processes. Um, look, I was never the fittest guy on the track, um, I was, and I've got no problems with it. That's just who I was and who I am. Certainly loved '94. Um, back end of '96 started to get certainly tougher, um, knowing where where I wanted to take it and where I was going, um, which was fine. Um, at least we had a a, a good conversation about that. Um, but I must admit, really enjoyed um, the years at West Coast, particularly '97. Yes. Uh, played some good footy. had, had a lot of um, responsibility. Really enjoyed playing under Mick. Mick was a. I've got two two opinions on some of the coaches of that. So Terry Wheeler for me was just too ahead of his time he was just too early for the system to cope with his ideas and the way he worked so if he was 10 years later he'd be one of the coaches that we'll talk about now was amazing um and just we'll have all of the coaches awards in those then mick was a, a true players coach uh he he would you know rip shreds through you behind closed doors but when he needed to support you you were always his number one person out in the media and all sorts of stuff yeah. if, you know, and we all know that sometimes you probably couldn't understand what he was saying in the media but anyway um, <laughs> but um those times there, and they have got great friendships there so look i think most clubs are the same and most organizations you find good people you surround yourself and you as- attract yourself to good people you know i catch up with them all the time now we're at the restaurant or we'll go to the footy we'll catch up with the messin and guys we'll catch up with anyone because they're people and you like it um the lifeblood of a club, other people, and I think most clubs have got genuinely good people. So I've been fortunate enough to be around three clubs, um, one begrudgingly when I went to Essendon, but yeah. they, it was still good times and i good got good mates there. So um, I'm fortunate. I think I've come out of it um, with an experience that, look, I've got disappointments like all of everyone, um, but certainly through that, it's helped give me a lot of um, kickstart to the rest of my life, which I'm extremely fortunate for.
0: Hey, listen! Thank you both for your time. Really appreciate it. It's been lovely catching up with you on the Two Dogs uh, podcast, and uh, good health and uh, and good times to to you both. Thanks so much for uh, for having a chat.
2: No problem.
1: Still looking fabulous, mate. Godaniel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: My thanks to Elia, my thanks to uh, Dimmer as well. Uh, terrific to spend some time with them and have a chat about the good old days for them and for many of us at the uh, at the Bulldogs at the Witten Oval. So uh, that's uh, that's this podcast done and dusted. Once again, thanks to our terrific past players and official sponsors. That's Midway Concrete, Garden and Building Supplies, PFG Australia, Flash Fabrications and the Australian Luggage Company. Hope to see you at one of the uh, final home games of the year. Uh, Hopefully, a big finish to the year coming up. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you're just new to these podcasts, the Two Dogs podcast, there's plenty there with some of our great champions of the past that we've talked to already, and there's plenty more coming in the future. Uh, Go the doggies, uh, go the red, white and blue, and uh, let's hope we do finish the season with a bang.